Ramble. One guaranteed way to make me cry is just remind me of the lifespan of dogs compared to most humans. Listen, my dogs, Mango, I know, Rotten Mango, and Tiger have been with me since before I started YouTube, before this podcast, and I truly don't know where I would be without them. But like, all I can do right now is spend time with them, take care of them so that they live the happiest and healthiest life that I can give them. Farmer's Dog is such a huge part of that. Farmer's Dog makes it easy to keep your dogs healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. So Farmer's Dog, they make and deliver fresh, healthy dog food, and it's recommended by vets. My vet literally recommended me Farmer's Dog. It's nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. Tiffany has been bringing Cola, her French Bulldog, over, and she keeps some of his food at our house. She said that she's been having such a hard time trying to get him to eat, so I offered her some of Mango's food to give to him. She was amazed. She said that she's never seen Cola so pumped for food. Farmer's Dog is the best option for dogs at all life stages because it's it's not kibble, it's not canned goop, it's real food. With traditional dry or even wet food options, they're extremely processed. I mean, I can hardly understand the ingredients that go into it, and it's really hard to portion. It's difficult to understand if my dogs are getting the nutrients that they need. Farmer's Dog comes pre-portioned, and it's based on my dog's unique nutritional needs. So Mango and Tiger, they eat different meals, and it's so cool. Farmer's Dog is like human-grade food made in safe kitchens. My dogs have been on Farmer's Dog for years now, ever since Mango was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, and I just noticed so many changes. They've got a healthier coat, healthier skin, their breath is better, and right now, you can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. Let the Farmer's Dog know that we sent you, so use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. Take 5,200. 12. And I had to go pee because I've been doing this 12,000 times already. <sighs> that is the sound of a crisp Coca-Cola. I'm just kidding. It's the sound of a Kirkland water. But today, if you are drinking a Coca-Cola, you might want to put your bottle down and walk as far away from your Coca-Cola bottle as possible. Honestly, if you've been thinking about quitting soda for a while, this sounds like a sponsorship. It's not. If you've been thinking about um, quitting soda for a while now, then this might be the way for you. This entire story is just going to make you really upset with life and really upset with Coca-Cola by no fault of their own. Like this is not Coca-Cola's fault. This has nothing to do with Coca-Cola marketing, but this is essentially the Coca-Cola murder. Psst. That was supposed to be the sound of a Coca-Cola bottle opening. Wow, wow, wow. We've really upped our production quality. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. So this story has been highly requested for me to cover. And it's, you know, it's commonly known as the American Junko Ferrado case because of just how similar it is in the ways that people, I mean, someone that is so young, 16 years old, is kept captive for months and months and months. I mean, people knew about it. This, this girl who was being tortured in of this house of horrors she went to school every single day we're going to be talking about the case of sylvia likens i mean i feel like if you are into true crime this name is just going to bring you just like a gut punch of emotions immediately like if you know anything about this case you're about to get punched in the gut it's intense so a mom is encouraging kids, neighborhood kids, and even her own children to be the biggest pieces of shit that ever walked this planet and to actively sexually, physically, emotionally, and mentally torture 
a 16-year-old girl that is under her care. That's her kid? It's not her kid, but she wants her kids to torture that kid. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, in order to understand this, we kind of need to start with Sylvia and how she even ends up in this house of horrors. What is Sylvia's life like? And I feel like kind of understanding her childhood will really help you understand why she does a lot of things the way that she did. And... We'll get into it. So Sylvia Likens, her parents were carnival workers. She was born to Lester, her dad, and Betty. They weren't like a Cirque du Soleil type of shit. Like they weren't just making good money, just flying around performers who were just the stars of the shows. They were kind of um, poor. They were um, just trying to make ends meet by selling candy, some beer, and soda at carnival stands. And what they would do is they would travel from carnival to carnival from carnival to sell these items Mm. and they were just really struggling they were just constantly on the road the dad lester he had an eighth grade education so he didn't really have a lot of job opportunities at the time and they ended up having five children together now sylvia is the third child and this i mean i don't even know if this is pertinent to the story i just thought it was fascinating but she was the only non-twin in the family so she has two older siblings by the name of diana and daniel and they were twins and then sylvia was born and then right after sylvia Jenny and Benny, who are also twins, were born. Wow. What yeah. are the odds of that? I know. That's why I thought it was kind of fascinating. But really, we're just going to be focusing mainly on Sylvia and Jenny, her younger sister. And yeah. the older sister, Diana, is somewhat pertinent to the story. But Daniel and Benny are not really a part of this story because the main reason is that as they were traveling through all of these circuses or these carnivals, they didn't necessarily want to take the youngest two daughters. Diana was just kind of living her own life. She had a place to stay. She didn't always stay with the family. So they weren't really worried about her coming. The two boys, they were okay with the boys coming. But the two young girls, they were like, this this carnival life ain't for you, boo-boo. And so they were just constantly always looking for a place to just let sylvia and jenny hang out for the entire summer while they go working because that's how they pay their bills and jenny the younger sibling she is just kind of with sylvia the entire story now to give you some background information on jenny she has polio it gave her a noticeable limp she had to wear like this steel brace on one of her legs so she was just pretty weak she was physically weak she was a little bit insecure because of all of this i mean when you're young and you've got this like steel brace on your leg it's not like the most attractive thing you're not gonna be the most popular kid and so she was super shy she was just timid insecure and sylvia was really protective over her And to the point where she was just so friendly, so confident, and they even nicknamed her Cookie. Nicknamed uh, Sylvia Cookie. Yeah, Lucia's line is confused as well. So <laughs> so she was nicknamed Cookie and she was always smiling, but she was always smiling with her mouth closed because she was missing a front tooth. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best teeth. Yeah, that's what I heard. Word on the street. Like missing as uh, permanently or? Yeah, MIA. Like missing it, like okay. knocked. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know what you. <laughs> okay, okay, got it, got it. Do <laughs> you want me to fi- file like a missing tooth report? <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> like that was such that's a. That's really sad. <laughs> I know, but that's the part that you had so many questions about. I will tell you some of the gnarliest crimes, and you're just like, oh my god. But that is the one where you're like, wait, 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 hold on. I need to further elaborate. I need a whole. <laughs> I need casework done on this. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. Was it a runaway or this is really grim humor? I'm sorry. This is how we deal. So 
Sylvia was kind of like the caretaker of Jenny. They weren't allowed to go on these little carnival trips with their family. And I I mean, from all it seems, it seems like they had a relatively good relationship with their family members, the rest Mm -hmm. of their family. It didn't seem like they were heavily abused. It just probably was the toll of everything else in life. The toll of not being able to put food on the table, the kids worrying about things like that. And so from a young age, Sylvia was just very proactive. She started babysitting. She started running errands for neighbors. She started ironing clothes. And she would give her mom a part of her earnings. So she was really active. And July comes around and her mom ends up getting arrested for shoplifting. Betty gets arrested for shoplifting. Mm -hmm. And so she was going to be spending a lot of, you know, the next couple months in prison. And then when she gets out, she actually wanted to join her husband, Lester, and go back on like a carnival tour. And they were going to go all the way to like all these other coasts. And this is in Indiana, by the way. The dad's like, well, what do I do? So he's like, okay, well, Diana has a place to stay. I never really have to worry about Diana, the oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. The two boys, I mean, I guess they can go with my parents in a different state. Mm -hmm. And I guess, shoot, what do I do about Jenny and Sylvia? What do I do about Jenny and Sylvia? You know, I can't even ask my wife because she's in prison right now. Man, what do I do? What do I do? Right. Mm -hmm. And so then one day he goes to pick up Sylvia, who was hanging out at this girl Stephanie's house. I know. (laughs) Fucking Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) so lester by the way i'm stephanie if you're new to this podcast not that one not that one a totally different one i'm a totally different stephanie okay (laughs) that one no i'm not that stephanie but um, i'm just saying her name's stephanie a worse one no i'm cooler trust she's probably one of the worst stephanies yeah one of the worst and i'm probably the most mediocre so can i gives you a relative scale and so he picks up sylvia from stephanie's and he meets stephanie's mom and her mom's name was gertrude so he's like wow nice to meet you gertrude and gertrude's kind of flirting with him gertrude's kind of like oh like you look wow you're so young to be a dad you know she's just doing the most and he's just like well thank you so much for watching sylvia and he just starts kind of bitching he's like listen my wife's in jail i don't know what to do i'm just so stressed out i mean like i just i just need to get it off my chest i don't know what to do with this summer like i don't know where to put sylvia and gertrude is like you know what I would love to take care of Sylvia and Jenny for the summer. I really wouldn't mind. I wouldn't even mind if you were gone for like a year. Honestly, it'd be no big deal for me. I mean, they go to the same high school, so she wouldn't have to go, you know, stay out of state and have to switch schools for a year. I genuinely am totally fine with it. Just like that. Yeah. And he was like, wait, really? And she was like, yeah. I mean, if she were to stay somewhere else, how how much were you going to pay them? Uh And he was like, well, I I don't know. Everyone asked for something different. And she's like, well, how about this? You pay me $20 a week and I will take care of Sylvia and Jenny. Now, mind you, I'm going to calculate for inflation. It actually was not $20 a week. It would total to be about $650 a month. Is that considered a good amount or? Well, her rent was about $400 for the house. Oh, okay. So she probably wouldn't. I mean, she doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, so I'm it's gonna a get fair it. amount. It's a good amount, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's a good amount. And so he's like, she's like, don't worry about it. And she says these words, I will take care of them like they're my own children. I don't trust people who say stuff like that because let's be real. You're going to treat your own children way better than you're going to treat anybody else's children, no? 
well maybe not momentarily i feel like my parents were always better to guest (laughs) but like long run wise you get what i'm saying and so she's like great they shake hands on it and then officially sylvia and jenny get dropped off and the dad's like literally bye guys i'm going to the carnival it sounds straight out of a movie but it's true yeah and what was uh sylvia's I mean, they were excited. They were really excited. And Gertrude's house was kind of wild. I feel like if Lester knew this, I feel like if Sylvia's dad knew how wild this house was, he would have never, he would have never dropped them off there because Gertrude's house was the neighborhood spot. They would, these kids who were 14 years old, 15 years old, would come over to Gertrude's house. They would smoke. They would drink. They would talk about this like raunchy sex. I mean, it just was crazy. And they wouldn't even hide it. It's not like Gertrude had a nine to five, like, single mom on the road just working 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 she was unemployed she was staying at home and she would just smoke with them she was known to be like a chain smoker so she would just sit there and smoke cigarettes with them is that where chain smoker came from the chain smokers the band i don't know (laughs) and you know it was just very strange i think the dad also didn't know that the living conditions would be so rough i mean we're gonna get into it but sylvia and jenny they ended up sharing a room with a total of five kids so they had marie shirley jimmy and sylvia and jenny all sharing a room but get this the room only had one mattress on it so they would take turns sleeping i don't know who are the other girls Oof, Gertrude's got seven kids. Yeah, we're going to talk oh, about them okay. in length. Wow. And so it was just five kids on a mattress. I mean, I don't think his th- her parents knew about any of this and they would take turns sleeping. I don't know how that type of rotation works. Like who sleeps during the day, who sleeps during the night. I really don't know. Who runs a house like this? None other than motherfucking Gertrude. Ger- Gertrude's a character. She's probably one of the most disgusting women I've ever read about. Gertrude Nadine Van Fussen. I want to freaking punch her. If this anger seems like wow stephanie needs a little bit of therapy stephanie needs to tone it down a bit stephanie needs jesus like i know people are gonna say that but once you listen to this story you're gonna get your punching fist ready anyways let me get my podcast voice back on So Gertrude, she was born to parents Molly and Hugh. And she, I mean, there's really not much about her life other than that she was from a working class family. Now, she was the third of six children. So her family also had quite a bit of kids involved. And she was kind of indifferent to her mom. She didn't really have a strong connection with her mom. It didn't seem like her mom just like loved her so much and was like, oh, my baby Gertrude. And she was really, really close to Hugh, her dad. Now, when she's 11 years old, she ends up seeing her dad die of a sudden heart attack so she visually saw it it didn't seem like he passed away in the hospital and she was like outside in the waiting room it didn't seem like she came home and the mom was like sorry your daddy's dead you know it seemed like she witnessed it with her own two 11 year old eyes and i'm sure i'm sure that has very big impact on her massive impact and i also don't know how it went for the rest of her life i don't know if molly was good to her afterwards or if there was a grieving process that she underwent i don't really know Now, when she's 16 years old, she decides to drop out of high school and she marries 18 year old John Banisrushkor. Okay, B-A-N-I-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I. You try it. Ben is anyways John she marries John and so he's 18 she's 16 John's later going to become a police officer now this is the part where you really don't have to pay attention but it is kind of fascinating so I mean she married a cop yeah but we're also going to go through lots of marriages this is just her first boo-boo we're going to go through four 
So <laughs> she marries John. Ten years. During those ten years of her first marriage, she has four children. She has Paula. She has Stephanie. She has John. She has Marie. And then, and then she was like, you know what? After ten years, I'm realizing I don't think I like it very much that John beats me. Okay, so I'm gonna leave. Now this is the one part where I'm like, honestly, I feel like Gertrude did something very courageous and amazing, right? Yes,、mm-hmm. leave. And a lot of the times, John would beat her in front of the children. So it's just a hard. Breaking situation to be in. I don't know if Gertrude is evil at this point. I don't know if her evilness comes from all of these next marriages or from this experience. But at this point, I have lots of sympathy for her. And then, almost immediately afterwards, she hops up into another car. She hops up in that jeep and she starts marrying someone else by the name of Edward. And they were only married for three months. So Kim Kardashian didn't beat the record. I think she was like married for like seventy-two days or something. Why do I know that? <laughs> That's two and a half months. So oh my gosh! Still, wow. Yeah, get、she's、that math an, right. Okay, you're right. All right, never, never put that crown back. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually like her. <laughs> I think she's cool. And now the third marriage happens almost a couple weeks after her second marriage dissolves, and now she's back with her first husband, John. She remarries John, and she has two more kids with John, Shirley, and James. Okay. Wow. I mean, they get divorced again. <laughs> Okay. And then she meets her fourth husband, and his name was Dennis Lee Wright, and third, he was. That's the third husband. Oh yeah, fourth marriage, third husband. Sorry,、yeah. I don't know how to count. Dennis <laughs> Lee Wright. Dennis was twenty-two years old, and she ended up getting pregnant with his child, and she wanted to name him Dennis Lee Wright the Junior, and this was going to be her second, ch- seventh child. Excuse me, seventh,、uh, mm-hmm. seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And immediately upon finding out, like after she gave birth to the boy, he was like, "All right, peace out." Like I'm gone, and so Dennis, the dad, he leaves, and she takes him to court to pay child support, and she was awarded. The judge says, "Yes, you do need child support from Dennis for your new son,、yeah. but he really had no money to give, so she didn't really receive a lot of money." So、wow. now we're talking about Gertrude at 36 years old. I mean, this was a lot. Her life was just filled with a just a lot. She married her first. You get it. She had seven children, and it's not even just seven children. I don't know where this came from, but She had six miscarriages, so she had thirteen pregnancies in total.、No. By the time she was thirty-six years old. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So by the time she was thirty-six years old, she was suffering from her last and most recent miscarriage, her sixth miscarriage, and she had seven children. She was taking care of, and the oldest. I mean, the really the ones that you really need to know are Paula. Who's the oldest? Okay? okay, and Paula was actually seventeen and pregnant too. So yeah, I'm just saying Gertrude had a lot on her plate. She really had no authority to be like, let me take on some more kids, right? And then Stephanie, who's fifteen, and then there was John, who was twelve, and then the rest of the kids don't really matter because they're not really part of this crime. They're just kind of all super underage and super young. And so she was renting this house for about five hundred dollars a month, and she really didn't have a source of income. She wasn't working. I mean, raising seven kids in this house. She、yeah. did like these odd jobs. She would like go sew clothes for neighbors. She would like clean for neighbors, and that was about that. John would occasionally, the first husband where she had six children with,、yeah. would send 
sometimes like child care checks and uh-huh. she used that as her primary source of income which normally i mean i guess like whatever do your thing but it just the way that he sends checks was um inconsistent <laughs> it was very spotty he wasn't sending it every month he was it was just all over the place so she really yeah. didn't have any money and she was pretty tall she's five feet six inches but she only weighs a hundred pounds Wow. So keep that in mind because that's going to come into play. Like imagine someone, uh, I can't even, we'll get into it. And so she is really depressed. I mean, she's depressed at all of her failed miscarriages, not Mm -hmm. failed miscarriages, but you get it. Like she sees it as failure. She's upset with her failure of her relationships. Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of disappointment in some of the failure of her children. So it just, I mean, she just was kind of working with a lot of what she perceived to be failures. Mm. And so she's like very excited now that she has Sylvia and Jenny because now she's going to have a primary source of income where she can pay all the rent Mm. and probably pay for enough food, not great food, but enough food for all of the kids with the extra like $200 a month, right? I I mean, it's a lot of kids. $20 a week. Inflation, yeah. So with inflation, just to make it make more sense, it'd be $650 a month that she would get. And she was paying about $450 in rent. Oh, okay. So she's making a surplus. Yeah. So she's got like maybe like $200 of surplus, which is good enough for food for the kids, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of kids though, but it was good enough for the kids. And so she's very, very excited. Now, the first couple of weeks that Sylvia and Jenny come, I mean, Lester even paid the first week up front. The day that he left, he was like, here's 20 bucks. I'm out, right? Yeah. And so she was like just hanging out with them. They were all just like, wow, like you're so chill. Like this house is amazing. Like I'm so glad that I met fucking Stephanie at high school like i'm just so happy to be here and sylvia and jenny they would just offer to do all of these chores around the house Uh which i mean honestly they were just probably like they have manners because they didn't need to and they would hang out with all the kids they would go to sunday school together everything just seemed amazing now gradually as the weeks pass like i said lester and betty were just not making a lot of money and so to offer that much was a big burden for lester and so gradually the weekly payments that he was supposed to give girls Trude were arriving a little bit late maybe like one or two days late mm. and every time they'd be late Gertrude would get triggered so there was this incident the first time that the check came late she made Jenny and Sylvia bend over and she grabbed this giant paddle and she started spanking them and as she's spanking them she was heard saying well I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing Jesus. And that was probably the first sign of abuse that they endured. And when the check comes, she's just back to normal business? No, I mean, she just keeps abusing them from this point forward. The the father never came. He just mailed the check. Yeah, he would come once later, further down in the abuse, but he would leave thinking that everything's amazing. And so that was kind of like the first incident of abuse. I'm sorry if I said sign of abuse. Sometimes I trip up my words, but you get it, right? How old is Jenny? Jenny's a little bit younger than Sylvia. I believe they were both in their early teens. Okay. There's just a lot of incidents. Paula, the oldest, right? She's 17 years old. She's pregnant. And she just really doesn't like Sylvia. She just Mm -hmm. really hates Sylvia. And the reason that she hates Sylvia is kind of disgusting. It's just the pure fact that Sylvia is pretty, is fit, is outgoing, is confident, and is pretty popular amongst people in high school. Mm. She just doesn't like it. I mean, Paula is kind of what people would say overweight. She Mm. is, you know, very jealous, very bitter. She's not the prettiest person. 
mm-hmm. definitely. And I think I can confidently say that because I know she's ugly on the inside too. I feel like looks don't matter, but I mean, when yeah. you're rotten all throughout, you're rotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was starting to show her insides were coming out to her outsides and they were like, peekaboo, bits, I'm rotten. And so she just was very, very jealous. And she would do things like this is really where it triggered all of the abuse. They went to like this church gathering together as a family. Mm-hmm. And Paula came home to tell Gertrude, mm-hmm. hey, mom, mom, you'll never guess what. Sylvia and Jenny were eating so much at that supper, that church supper. And it like makes you look bad because they're eating so much like you're starving them. What in the world? And so Gertrude was like, oh, yeah, is that so? And so then she beat them some more. Now, this is really where things are going to just escalate. And I feel like that we're going to hit a point of no return. So that is why. That is why right now I have to tell you something. Honey, do it. Run it. <laughs> you can't do it now. <laughs> so there was a point in my life I used to end every single email with, I hope that makes sense. Hee <laughs> hee, Stephanie Sue. And that was because I was very worried about all of the grammar mistakes and typos that I could potentially be sending in that email. And I would just be really concerned that this person was going to judge me or not think that I'm professional, which is why I actually haven't been doing that for a while now because I've started to use Grammarly. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm just kidding. Grammarly is a digital writing assistant that helps more than 20 million people put their best words forward. Did you get that? Not best foot, best words forward. The way that it works is when you sign up for Grammarly, the account is completely free and it gives you real time spelling and grammar checks as you write your emails or it could be text messages, your Facebook messages, everything. And it also really just helps me communicate better with a lot more clarity, with more confidence. And I practically use it on a daily basis, literally on every platform. I actually take it to the next level by getting Grammarly Premium and it gives you advanced feedback on tone, word choice, punctuation, and a lot more. My favorite part is like the help with the tone. You never want to be super professional and then all of a sudden have a sentence that just is so out of place and it sounds really random. I struggle so much with it. But also maybe you're a student and you're like, I kind of want to check it for plagiarism. Grammarly will do all of that for you. Make sure to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium when you sign up at Grammarly.com slash Rotten Mango. That's 20% off your Grammarly premium at Grammarly.com slash Rotten Mango. And just in case you're like, wait, I don't have Grammarly yet. Like, how do you spell Grammarly? I don't have it yet. It's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash Rotten Mango. Thank you, Grammarly, for sponsoring today's podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm like sweating. That's so cool. I just had my first podcast sponsorship back to the story now it's the point of no return trust me now sylvia would practically just piss off gertrude for literally doing nothing and doing things that she didn't even do gertrude would just make them up in her mind and say that sylvia did it just so that she could have a reason to beat up sylvia and a lot of the people think that gertrude was just jealous of sylvia you know gertrude was still around 30s at the time she sees sylvia who's so confident has a full life ahead of her gertrude feels like her life is over she has so much burden of these kids of all of this all this financial burden Mm -hmm. She just was mad. And so 
like I said, Gertrude is a hundred. Gertrude is a hundred pounds. So yeah. a lot of the times, Gertrude would get a paddle and beat Sylvia for random things. Like Sylvia would recycle plastic bottles for cash. You know how some states you can you know recycle them and turn them in for like five cents. Yeah. She would do that, which really that's a pretty admirable thing to do. But Gertrude would beat her for it for no reason. Just like why are you doing that? And she would start beating her for it. And now because she's a hundred pounds and five foot six inches, Gertrude gets tired really easily. Like she doesn't have she has no physical stamina she would get mm-hmm. so tired that she would hand the paddle to paula 17 and pregnant paula her own mother freaking daughter and then paula would then proceed to beat up sylvia with the paddle so so there's no way for sylvia to get in contact with the father no what and about jenny yeah no okay so this is what's crazy so jenny in the beginning she would get paddled so she would get spanked with the paddle she would get beat with the paddle but i feel like gertrude really just was so angry with sylvia jenny was seen as she kind of got a little bit of sympathy from the family because she had this like you know leg brace she Mm. just was very timid she was quiet she maybe was not as pretty as sylvia in their eyes and so it's like that story in korea there was a story recently that my mom was telling me about a girl on a train who saw a pretty girl Mm-hmm. and then followed her found out like where she lived and then one day came to her house with acid and threw acid oh. all over her face she's never had a conversation with this girl this girl never bullied her this girl never did anything to her it was just the fact that this girl was pretty like she just didn't like that and i feel like that's the case with sylvia like they just don't like that she's pretty mm-hmm. and that's about that and then it would just kind of escalate there was this food fiasco where they just kept withholding food from sylvia like she was getting starved in that house to the point where sylvia would go and she would eat leftovers from the other kids she would eat spoiled food like rotten food she would dumpster dive at school for food like she just i mean it was really rough and then she finally after all of like that money that she had saved up from recycling those plastic bottles she purchased some candy at a local store now she purchased it she's eating it Mm -hmm. and then she's accused of stealing it so gertrude decides we have to we have to teach her a lesson and so paula's like what do we do now paula was hanging out with a neighborhood boy by mm-hmm. the name of randy right he's just like another teenager that lives in the neighborhood and they're like we know what to do get a hot dog and we're gonna just put nasty stuff on it like all the spices in the kitchen like paprika cayenne pepper fucking everything and then we're gonna just overload it on like nasty condiments and we're gonna force her to eat it because she's so hungry like that's the vibe that they had and they forced her to eat it she threw it up and then they forced her to eat up her throw up oh yeah and then there was the pregnancy rumor. So, like, now it just gets weird. I mean, how, how long has this been going on? Has this been... Oh, it goes on for months. So, this has been months in, right? No, this is, like, the beginning. Like, the maybe the first month. Oh it gets much gosh. worse. It gets much worse. Like, that is so disgusting, and I want to punch Gertrude. But, I mean, there's a reason I'm so angry. So, then the pregnancy rumor happens. And this will kind of lead to a big retaliation, and it just turns... It turns really nasty. So... Sylvia had spent a summer in California, near Long Beach, California. 
and mm-hmm. she was traveling with her parents for the carnivals mm-hmm. and she had met a boy in Long Beach, California and they just kind of spent the summer together. Now, when you're like 15, not necessarily do you call them like she wasn't in contact with this boy. She wasn't like obsessed with this boy, but she would just randomly be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I think I have a boyfriend in California. And so Gertrude was like, oh, yeah, you have a boyfriend in California. And Gertrude was kind of jealous about this. I don't even know why. I don't even know. <laughs> and so then he'd keep she'd keep taunting Sylvia and be like, well, did you do things with the boyfriend and sylvia would like be like yeah i did because in her head she's thinking i did go ice skating one time with the boy like i did these things and then she'd be like that's disgusting and then she's like what i mean okay whatever i mean i don't understand and then one day one of the sisters was like hey sylvia did you ever like lay under the covers with the boy Uh and sylvia i don't know if she understood the question it didn't seem like Sylvia did anything sexual at all with the boy, which why would it matter? But it didn't seem like it. And so she was like, I mean, I guess we hugged. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then that's when Gertrude started being like, then you're pregnant. And she's like, what? And Gertrude's like, wow, your stomach's looking awfully big these days. It looks like that you're pregnant. And then she'd be like, uh, I guess I have to go on a diet. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, she's like young and she's like, what? Like, yeah. why are you even, I don't even. Yeah. And so then Gertrude's like, no, you're pregnant. And then Gertrude was like, you know what, Paula? I feel like we need to help her turn her life around. So Paula's like, yeah, mom, like, what should we do? What should we do? She's like really gassing up her own mom. And so then she knocks her off the chair that she was sitting in, Sylvia. And Gertrude is talking about how being a whore is disgusting while Paula continues to kick and punch Sylvia in the vaginal area. What the fuck? Which, by the way, to put it in perspective, I'm not sure how the actual statistics work, right? But just because we don't have balls doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Like, it's actually extremely sensitive, you know? So just in case you're like a dude and you're like, well, but it doesn't hurt as much as getting kicked in the balls. Like, I bet it does. Oh my so God. they were getting kicked and punched in the belly and the vaginal areas while she was like saying all of these things. And so this would be the only act of retaliation from Sylvia. So she gets punched and kicked all over the belly and the vaginal area. Uh-huh. And she goes to school the next day yeah. and she's super upset. And so she's like, I don't understand. Like, I didn't do anything with this boy. Like, why are they and like why are they shaming me like even if I did what's it matter to you like I'm not your daughter like I don't understand and so she tells everyone at school that Paula and Stephanie are prostitutes and so then Stephanie she's in school one day and she gets confronted by this boy and he's like so how much and she's like what and he's like how much Sylvia told everyone that you're a prostitute so how much Mm -hmm. and she's like what and so she goes home that day and she confronts Sylvia and Sylvia's like yeah I did yeah I told them and Stephanie punches her Uh and then Sylvia starts to cry and Sylvia apologizes to Stephanie and then Stephanie starts to cry now they're trying to fight each other and they cried it out yeah so it seems like like most high school drama this should have just ended there right but no stephanie's boyfriend got involved and stephanie's boyfriend is a 15 year old little douchey douche by the name of koi hubbard okay so koi finds out it's so hard to say that name for some reason koi koi 
Okay. So Koi finds out and he attacks Sylvia. He's just like, don't call my girlfriend a prostitute. And he brutally attacks her. He slaps her. He bangs her head against the walls. He body slams her to the ground. And then Gertrude jumps in too. She's like, let me get in on this. And they essentially just jump Sylvia. Like the whole family. What the heck? Yeah, I don't understand. Again, as a parent, I mean, just as a human being, when you see a fight, you're just like, whoa, break it up. What the hell is going on? You know? But she, Gertrude, not Gertrude. She was like, me too. I want some of that. I don't understand. And then Paula, she was probably the most physically abusive because like I said, Gertrude, even though she was kind of the mastermind of it all, she was physically a little bit weak. Uh. So Paula would just get so intense and she had, she is a sour little girl. She would always focus on Sylvia's teeth and her eyes because Sylvia already had a missing tooth that uh-huh. she was insecure about. So I guess in Paula's head, she was like, well, the more missing teeth, the better. And so she would just punch her in the eyes and the teeth and one time she did it with such force that she broke her own wrist imagine being such a jealous little monster that you break your own you inflict pain upon your own self just so for what her looking like that doesn't make you any prettier it makes you uglier paula and nobody throughout all these torture nobody saw signs in school Nobody said anything. It's wow. like the Jinko case. It's like, I mean, there are so many signs and there are so many people. I mean, it'll get worse. They visit, school officials visit, neighbors visit, nothing happened. And so Paula breaks her wrist. She goes and get a cast and then she starts beating Sylvia with her cast. I mean, what I don't understand. And Gertrude would constantly, constantly say that Sylvia is a prostitute. I mean, I don't even understand how this happens because Gertrude has eyes on her almost all the time. She's almost never alone. She almost never gets to go out and talk to people by herself. So, like, when does she have time to be an alleged 15-year-old prostitute, Gertrude? I just want to know. And she would just berate her nonstop. Like, you know how disgusting you are. And it seemed like Gertrude had it against women. Like, she just was not a feminist. She wasn't even just like a respectful human it seemed like she really thought women were scum and she would constantly tell sylvia these things and there were a lot of occasions where gertrude would even make jenny beat her own sister and if she didn't she would beat jenny no freaking way yeah yeah, and so there would be more stomping. There'd be a lot of times where Gertrude would lay Sylvia down and start preaching about the disgusting nature of women and prostitution while stomping on her vaginal area. And then she would invite and encourage neighborhood kids to come over and they would pay five cents, which is about 50 cents with inflation, 50 cents so that they could view and partake in the abuse and torture. Now, money was not her motivation. She wasn't charging a lot of people. She wasn't taking her to sick and nasty adult places, which I'm sure exist, you know. She wasn't trying to pimp her out. So I don't know why she did that. I feel like it was the humiliation aspect because... He just wants to be her. Yeah. And so she would encourage these kids and they would start using her for violent judo sessions, which is a mar- like a modern martial arts type of thing. It's it's like think about like karate, I guess. Uh huh. And so they would use her as like a judo dummy and they would body slam her. Oh. They would beat her up by Ooh. the time neighborhood boys and the what? family. 
And then they would do these things that were just so horrendous. Like I said, remember Gertrude's house is like known for you can come and you can smoke and you can drink and Gertrude doesn't care. Well, they didn't really have any ashtrays anymore because they primarily used Sylvia's body to take out the cigarette butts. So I'm so sorry. Like this is progressing a lot. Yeah. So this just happened all of a sudden yeah so it started with her just beating her with a paddle and then starving her and then stomping on her genitals and then she was like "Mm, let's do some more and yeah so she's no longer in school anymore right she's still in school yeah Uh uh-huh it's crazy and so by the time how how is that nobody nobody said anything then if she's getting used as a freaking people are burning cigarettes on her so if she was questioned She would always say nothing happened. Why? Because she has nowhere else to go. And I think that we don't really understand Sylvia because I'm sure her family life was intense. I'm sure she was scared for Jenny. She's very protective over Jenny. And I just, I truly feel like she has nowhere to go because Gertrude would, a lot of times would open the front door after beating Sylvia and say, go then. You don't have anywhere to go. Go. Where are you going to go? And Sylvia would just sit there and she would say, I don't have anywhere to go. And so I think if she was questioned, I think that she just brushed it off, like made up a lie. I mean, kids are really good at that, which is so sad. And I also do think that um, I do put a little bit of blame on this school. I don't think this school did its job because later you'll find out that the school just is so nonchalant with things. So I think maybe there was a mix of they didn't really ask and she didn't really tell. What about the father, man? What about the freaking father? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're in for a surprise. So they, by the time that her body was examined later, there was over a hundred plus cigarette burns on her body. And there was this one time where the high school said, okay, well now everybody has to buy this specific like track suit. Okay. If you don't have it, you can't come to this like track thing and you need it to graduate, et cetera, et cetera. And so she was like, okay, Gertrude, like can you buy it for me? Like, can you just tell my dad to like send you more money? And Gertrude was like, no, I'm not going to buy that for you little spoiled brat, which doesn't make sense because all of her kids got one. And like, you were literally being paid to watch after I digress. I mean, none of this makes sense for so many reasons. Yeah. And so she was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. So one day she sneaks into the storage room at the school and she steals an outfit. Mm. And Gertrude finds out and she brings her home and she lits matches and burns her fingertips for stealing. And then it really got a lot worse. They started mutilating her. So they started cutting her like small little lacerations everywhere And I mean, of course, they started in areas that would be covered by clothing at school. And what they would do just because they didn't want to give her too deep of a cut because then she would bleed out and then she might die and then it might get infected, et cetera, et cetera. So they would just cut her a tiny bit. I mean, it was still a lot like I'm not talking a paper cut. Like I'm talking like I probably would faint from the amount of blood that I would see. They would cut her like that. And to make it worse without actually having massive signs of abuse in the beginning, they would grab salt and rub salt into it. Oh my And then gosh. to make it worse, they would say we have to cleanse her of her sins and Gertrude would throw her into a scalding hot bath with these open salty wounds. He's dying right now. Oh man, there are some nasty, nasty humans out there. Yeah. 
And then they would eventually start mutilating her general genitals. And again, it didn't seem like there was a lot of sexual intent. It didn't seem like it was like Gertrude and Paula, who's like, I just want to sexually violate this girl. It really seemed like it came from the fact that they were just purely so jealous of her that they didn't want her to have any male attention ever. So what they would do is they would just kick her, punch her in the genital area, and then this is so nasty. This is where the Coca-Cola comes in. Gertrude would have all of her kids sit down in the living room. And sometimes there'd be neighborhood boys who would be there. And she would force Sylvia to strip completely naked, sit on the coffee table, and insert an empty Coca-Cola bottle into her vagina. And it was said that she turned to Jenny, who is Sylvia's little sister, who witnessed all of this, uh-huh. And said, see, Jenny, see what kind of girl your sister is. And what makes it all worse is that the parents end up visiting. So Betty was out of jail. Um, this is Sylvia's mom, remember? Betty's out of jail and she was traveling with the carnival with her husband, you know? Uh-huh. And so they're like, okay, like we have a week. We are, we're close to Indiana. Let's go visit. And so they visit and the family's all there. So we've got sylvia's parents we've got sylvia we've got jenny and then we've got all of gertrude and her seven fucking kids and for whatever reason which i'm sure is just gertrude and the kids i mean these girls had been so abused Uh that they were too scared to say anything to their own parents so gertrude had told them that your parents aren't going to believe you like they're going to think that you're being dramatic and if you say anything i will beat you more which is kind of true. A lot of the times you do tell your parents things as a kid and they're kind of like, you know, like, don't know. And then they just. I would like, I would love to know what, do, do, do you know what happened to the parents? Are they, did they talk about their whole. Yeah, they were, I mean, there was so much guilt and shame for them. They felt Jenny doesn't blame her parents for the abuse that she and her sister endured because she felt like her parents were just so focused on making a living so that they could go to school. So, I mean, it's very complex. I feel like I can't really judge them because I don't really know. I just have this theory, though, that with all of the true crime cases that I've done, that all of I've researched, you know, I'm not an expert in any of this. I'm not even a parent. I feel like always listen to your kids. Just listen to your kids. If your kids say something scary is happening or something bad's happening, like listen to your kids. There are so many cases where kids will tell an adult and nobody listens to them. Wow. So they came and they left. That's all. Yeah. And so they left. And immediately after they left, Gertrude closed the door and she looked at Sylvia and said, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now that your parents are gone? And a couple days later, she pulled Sylvia out of school. Sylvia just didn't go to school anymore. And usually when stuff like that happens, I mean, they alert CPS. CPS comes to your door and knock, knock, knock in. Why isn't your kid at school? Illegal, right? But they didn't really do that. The school didn't even do that. So I'm just telling you, this school is not probably where I'm going to put all of my eggs in a basket and be like, they should have saved her. Like, it seems like this was not well run. Mm-hmm. And Diana, now the oldest sister, she lived nearby. So this is Sylvia and Jenny's biological sister. This is their family. Yeah. She lives nearby and they were just never allowed to see her. Now, one day, coincidentally, Jenny and Sylvia somehow were able to leave the house by themselves to go on a walk uh-huh. and they end up at the local park and yeah. they see 
Diana going on a walk. And so they start just telling Diana everything. They're like, you're never going to believe no what's way. happening. Like, you have to tell our parents. Like, you have to get us out of here. Like, Diana, what do we do? Diana. And for whatever reason, initially, Diana did not believe them and thought that they were exaggerating the abuse. They just probably wanted to miss, like, they miss their parents. So they're, like, making up these lies so that they could see their parents. But, like, you don't get it. Like, you're too young to understand that the parents have to do this because they need to make money. And so it, she just kind of thought, okay, this doesn't sound real. Oh, like, no. this has to be a lie and so she just kind of they said goodbye and they walked away they never she never found out where they were even staying like diana didn't even know whose house they were at and then a couple weeks later we have the sandwich issue so they go to the same park jenny and sylvia but this time they were accompanied by marie who is gertrude's 11 year old daughter uh-huh. So all three of them go to the park and they meet Diana again, coincidentally, the local park. And so Sylvia is like, Diana, like I'm hungry. And mm-hmm. so Diana's like, you're hungry? Like you did get a little skinny. Oh my gosh. Well, thank goodness I have the sandwich. And mm-hmm. so she gives her the sandwich and Sylvia's like just demolishing the sandwich, just eating the sandwich, right? Yeah. And Jenny's looking at her and Marie's looking at her and then they just go on their way home. Nobody said anything about the sandwich because it's not that freaking weird. Like it's not a stranger that you just ate a sandwich from. Yeah. I mean, it's your sister, right? And they go home and Marie, the 11-year-old girl, ends up telling Gertrude and Paula about the sandwich she said we went to the park and this girl gave sylvia a sandwich and she ate the sandwich and now what what does a normal person do well did she know the person like she can't just eat free food and she's like yeah like yeah that'd be that'd be normal right yeah but no gertrude and paula say okay well let's talk to her and so they go over to sylvia and they say you're engaging in gluttony which is like one of like the seven deadly sins. Yeah, it's like you're just like obsessed with food and you eat yourself to to death. Like you just eat and eat and eat and eat. What the fuck? Yeah. Now, mind you, Sylvia was extremely malnourished at this point, so she really needed lots of food. Yeah. It's not like she. I mean, I don't even understand. Yeah, gluttony is like one of those that I don't really understand, but you get it. And so they decided to choke her and beat her for eating a sandwich. And then they did what they always do. They got a scalding hot bath and then they threw her in there to cleanse her of her sins, of her sins. And she fainted. Sylvia fainted. She was choked and she was beat. She was bleeding. Now her fresh cuts are now in scalding hot water. She fainted from the pain. And Gertrude did not like that. So Gertrude grabs her hair and bangs her up against the bathtub to wake her up because she wants her to feel every second of it. And did she wake up or did she pass out? She woke up and she was tortured some more. Now, I know what you're thinking. Really, Stephanie? How does nobody know? Even now? Really? Nobody? Well, there was a boy by the name of Michael. Michael was a neighborhood boy, and he came over a lot, and he saw the abuse happen. So Michael yeah. runs to his dad, and he's like, Dad, like you'll never guess what I saw the other day. Like It's freaking nuts. And so the dad is like, well, we got to freaking file a police report. So the dad and Michael, they file an anonymous report that said, in quotes, girl with open sores all over her entire body is living out 
at this address and they gave the address to Gertrude's house. Yeah. Now the school was alerted because you know they were known that this was an underage girl who was going to this school like who is this girl like let's find it out right yeah. and so the school sends a nurse to this address to investigate on behalf of the school especially a nurse? yeah especially because they realized that wait a second wait a second I mean it does seem like there is someone who is living at this address who hasn't been attending class recently and her name is Sylvia so let's go investigate and so the nurse goes and I think they sent a nurse because when you hear open source maybe the nurse wants to know like is this like a do you got like something going on or is it abuse maybe they're better at identifying it I don't really know why they sent a nurse I feel like they should have sent a full ass fire truck full of FBI and SWAT team but that's just me and so gertrude opens the door and she's like oh my gosh please come in (laughs) it's such a pleasure to meet you and so she sits down with the nurse and the nurse is like well where is the girl with open sores all over her body like i want to know and she was like oh that girl i thought you were just coming over for some tea so that girl her name's sylvia i mean obviously you know she's out of control what she oh my gosh she's such a bad influence for my kids it's always the same story huh? yeah she's out of control i mean i <laughs> she goes around with all these neighborhood boys just doing nasty things she never studies oof and you know those sores Oh, no, no, no. Those sores are because she refuses to wash herself. Her personal hygiene is disgusting. You'll never smell someone like her. I mean, I, I, don't, I hate to say this about a young girl, but good riddance. She's such a bad influence, even on her own sister, Jenny, and on my kids, obviously, because she was staying here. But I have no idea where she went. And the nurse says, okay, and leaves and never investigates again. So frustrating. Now, Raymond and Phyllis are going to piss you off even more. So Raymond and Phyllis are a middle-aged couple. So they're old um, and they're married and they're right next door to this house. So they are the direct neighbors of Gertrude's House of Horrors. And so initially they believed Gertrude to be an ideal caregiver. I was going to say caregiver. Caregiver. They thought, Gertrude, wow, she has seven kids of her own. Why not take on two more? She seems so motherly. And then they were invited over to hang out with Gertrude, right? To get a a glass of wine and some dinner with Gertrude, you know, some neighbor shit. And so Raymond and Phyllis go over and the first time that they visit, they started talking about it when they got back home, which is, wow, that Paula girl, that 17-year-old daughter of Gertrude's Paula, the pregnant one, I mean, she seems wild. She talked about how she gave Sylvia a black eye and Sylvia, sure enough, was sitting there with a black eye and the neighbors (sighs) are talking about it. Now, I don't know about you and I am probably the least nosy neighbor that ever has existed i mind my own damn business but if i saw a kid with a black eye in my neighbor's house yeah yeah and someone another kid bragging about giving that kid a black eye i would definitely call the police i would probably do it anonymously but i would damn well call the police at least multiple times that day that hour i'll keep calling And then they didn't call. And then they went back a second time. Now, the second time they said that they noticed a lot of things different. The fact that Sylvia was almost in a zombie-like form. Like, she just was dead. Like, she wasn't talking. She, like, was not 
consciously aware of surroundings she just was kind of like a zombie and she was so skinny like you could see bones she was just meek and just there was just heavy heavy signs of heavy abuse and so what do they do they go home and they talk about it they don't call the police they never reported it to anybody and their defense is that they were scared for their own life. But I mean, I'm just saying, I'm me? not even a middle-aged couple. And I would be like, bring it on, neighbor. Fucking bring it on. They're scared <sighs> of what? Of Gertrude, who's younger than them, mind you. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you scared of? Exactly. I don't even know. It'd be one thing. I guess I would understand if I was like living by myself and my neighbor was like a 300-pound dude who was like beating his kid. I'd still call the cops and like try to move the next day. But yeah. I get it. But like you're a middle-aged couple. Exactly. Gertrude is literally 100 pounds. She's younger than you. Exactly. I just don't understand what's so scary. But whatever. I digress. Now, Diana, she starts getting concerned. A couple weeks had gone by and she's like, you know what? Maybe what there is like, maybe I need to look into it. Like maybe I'm being a shitty sister by not looking into it. And so she finds out where they're staying. And I don't know if she talked to her parents or whatnot, but she finds out that they're staying at Gertrude's house and mm-hmm. she visits the Gertrude property. So she goes to the house. She knocks on the door. Gertrude opens it up and she's like, I'm sorry, like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Diana. I'm Sylvia and Jenny's older sister. Uh-huh. And Gertrude goes, well, that's interesting. You're not allowed it. And she's like, what? Like, those are my sisters. I just want to say hi. Like, I won't come in. Like, you can just have them come outside. Like, I just want to say hi. I miss that. Yeah. And she was like, no, 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 no. I have this rule that uh, anytime someone comes to see your sisters, I have to call your parents and get their permission. And that's going to take like, oh, I don't know, three business days. And she's like, what? I'm their sister. Like, it's I'm not like a stranger. I'm not like a neighborhood friend. I'm their sister. Like, you... You get that, right? Yeah. And she's like, well, you need to get off my property because I need their consent because I am their guardian right now. So she's probably freaking out that she she doesn't want yeah. them to be seen. Mm-hmm. And Jenny ends up running into her sister again by herself, Diana. And Diana asks about Sylvia. She's like, how's Sylvia doing? Are you guys okay? Yeah. And Jenny tells her, I can't tell you anything or else I'll get beat up. Okay, And And then Diana starts kind of investigating. But again, what can she do? She's not like a full grown adult. I think there were reports that Diana would eventually like find out where she's being hidden and then like sneak her food and stuff. But what do you mean? She's no longer there. I mean, she was in the basement later. Yeah. And she would sneak her food later. But the abuse escalates. So we're going to get to the basement. And then this is a part where I get really frustrated. And this happened with Jingo's case. I don't know what it is about this that makes me so just... She started not being able to hold her urine. There's just something about this that just makes me just... I don't... It makes me want to rip out my hair. And so she started receiving or gradually losing control over her bowels. And she was denied access to the bathroom a lot. And so she would end up wetting herself a lot. And I think the reason that it really bothers me in this case and cases like Junko is like, how can you get mad about something that you directly caused? This would have never happened if you weren't evil. If you weren't evil, she would literally be able to have regular bowels, a regular life, like a regular healthy human. But you're evil. And so this happened with... I didn't know this until this time, but incontinence, your inability to hold your pee when you're that young, is not just damage to your kidneys and not just damage to your muscles, Mm -hmm. but it can actually happen with 
um, heavy amounts of mental stress. So there are cases where there's no physical trauma, but you'll have people who keep wetting themselves at a young age. Mm -hmm. And it's usually from just mental stress that they cannot and no one can handle at any age. So she starts wetting herself. And as punishment, Gertrude didn't want her to wet the one mattress that all of these five kids share in that one room. So she threw her into the basement and she would keep her in the basement naked rarely fed, completely deprived of water. I mean, Sylvia was so dehydrated. They tied her to the railing of the basement stairs and she was so small and the railing was pretty tall where her feet would barely touch the ground. So it's not even like they tied her to a pole and she could at least like lay down. Like her feet would barely touch the ground. I just, I can't Wait, imagine. What does that even mean? She's like tiptoeing, being like, tied up? Just upright tied up by the arms to the railing. What the fuck? Yeah. And so they would tie her like that. They would start cutting her legs with knives more. And Gertrude decided, you know, I need to somehow get the kids to be more abusive. Which Wait, uh, so what is happening right now? Right now, they're still finding ways to torture her even more. Mm -hmm. Are they trying to kill her? Because I'm assuming the father's going to come back eventually. So Gertrude just felt like Sylvia was the reason for all of her problems. Hey, one of her seven kids is annoying. It's all Sylvia's fault. Hey, I can't make rent. It's all Sylvia's fault. Hey, I can't find a man because I'm a fucked up human and disgusting and nobody wants to even look at me. Sylvia's fault. So she doesn't even care about anything right now. She just wanted. Yeah, she's just a nasty, angry human. (sighs) And so then the abuse gets worse and Gertrude had to get something to get these kids to get riled up. So this full adult with seven kids, the mom, right, the sole adult in this entire house was disgusting. She would go to each kid and be like, Paula, you know what Sylvia said about you the other day? And so then Paula would be like, no fucking way. And she'd go downstairs and beat up Sylvia. Did Sylvia ever say that about Paula? No. I just don't understand how moms do this. They would all take turns beating up Sylvia. Now, this is when you realize that the entire family is just trash. The only thing that would make them stop beating up Sylvia for even like an hour was not when Sylvia would cry or scream or would black out from pain or when Jenny would cry or scream to help her sister or when one of the kids was like, this doesn't feel right. No. The abuse only stopped when their favorite TV shows were on. And like clockwork, they'd be in the middle of beating up Sylvia. They would drop everything and go run to the TV and sit down as a family and enjoy their little TV shows. I mean, that's just trash. I don't even, that's trash. And then we have John Jr., the 12-year-old. I feel like we've heard a lot about Paula. We've heard a lot about the neighborhood kids. And obviously, Gertrude, the mom and the ringleader. But what is it about John Jr., who's 12 years old, that's going to make you want to punch a 12-year-old in the face? It's the fact that John Jr. really enjoyed when he would grab his little brother, who's one years old at the time, his Uh diaper, And he would then, this 12-year-old, would go to Sylvia and rub the urine and poop into Sylvia's mouth. What the fuck? This 12-year-old would do this. And there'd be days where they would do this and Gertrude would then give Sylvia a half cup of water and say, that's all you're going to eat for the rest of the day. While she just has all this poo in her mouth. 
Like, it must be something mental, like, you know, to fuck with her in a different way. I mean, I just don't understand. And then the 12-year-old John would end up just doing some really, really fucked up shit. He would grab a bowl of scalding hot soup and place it in front of Sylvia and say, you can eat this today, but only if you use your fingers. So she would use her already burnt fingers to try to scoop up this burning hot soup so that she could eat it because she's been starved i mean by the time that they found her they didn't even call her malnourished they called her like emaciated which just means like just bones like you're just i mean it's dangerous like at that point in being so starved you can't even just eat a hamburger without serious medical conditions happening like you have to go to the hospital and be fed certain a certain way in a certain speed at a certain time to make sure that you don't have a reaction to just eating like a normal human again yeah yeah and that's how she was and so she would try to scoop up this soup with her fingers and she would burn herself and he would laugh and he would quickly take it away and be like psych and so she would just burn her fingers for no reason and then Eventually, Gertrude is like, okay, fine. Why don't you sleep upstairs for a day? I don't know where she just like randomly thought to do this, but she did. And so Sylvia goes upstairs. She gets onto the mattress. And right before she's about to fall asleep, she's like, Jenny, please. I know you're going to get in trouble if they find out. But when everyone goes to sleep, is there any way you can just get me a glass of water? Please. And so Jenny gets her a glass of water and because she can't hold in her bowel movements, Sylvia ends up peeing herself at night. And as punishment, she gathers everyone in the living room and brings out Sylvia and a Coca-Cola bottle. So you know where that goes. This time, it wasn't enough. So she does that. All the neighborhood kids watch. All of her own kids watch. Again at this point? Yeah, but after she does that, Gertrude is like, wow, that Coca-Cola bottle does not satisfy my evil, heartless body. I need more. And so she drags Sylvia upstairs and she says, in quotes, you've branded my daughter, so I'm going to brand you. And she grabs a hot needle, heats it up on a stovetop and carves onto Sylvia's stomach. I'm a prostitute and proud of it. Like he's, she used a needle to scratch her? Like to carve it into her body. Oh. On her stomach. I'm a prostitute and proud of it. And because Gertrude is a weak little pussy bitch, sorry, she was unable to finish. And so she gets 14-year-old Richard, who's a neighborhood boy, to finish it up. And he does. And then he and Shirley, who is Gertrude's daughter, Shirley is her 10-year-old daughter, go downstairs to the basement, drag Sylvia down after branding her with I'm a prostitute and proud of it on her stomach. And Shirley, I guess, decided that she wanted to brand Sylvia with the letter S under her left boob. But here's the thing. Evil people are stupid. And so they ended up branding three instead of S, what looked like three instead of us i don't even so then that day a bunch of more people come over a bunch of more neighborhood kids so everybody's seeing this inhumane torture going on and they're yeah all just having fun there's a lot of people then yeah i mean most of them were kids 
But still, I mean, wrong is wrong. I feel like I feel like she has this scar. Now she's branded essentially. And neighborhood kids come over that night, and Gertrude starts taunting her, and she tells Sylvia, "You know, you're never gonna find a husband, right? Like, no one's ever gonna marry you. That's disgusting. Look at your stomach. Mm. No one's ever gonna marry you. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do?" Mm-hmm. And Sylvia starts crying, and she says. I guess there's nothing I can do. So the neighborhood kids are gathered and Gertrude forces her to lift up her shirt and show everyone. And the neighborhood kids are like, oh my God, like that's crazy. Where did you get that? Like what happened? And Gertrude's like, so because she's a prostitute, she went to a sex party. Have you guys heard about those? It's like a party where everybody's just doing it. And she... Yeah, she just did it with everyone because she's a little whore. She's a prostitute and she got it done at the party. (sighs) And they just laughed at her. I don't understand how that's funny. And so that night she tells Jenny, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I think I'm going to die. I feel it. And Jenny started crying and she's like, no, like, I don't want you to die. And I saw like a lot of people on Reddit giving Jenny a lot of shit. But, I mean, they were both abused. The physical, I mean, a lot of the abuse was, yes, centered, I would say, like, 99% centered to Sylvia. But I'm sure for the same reason Sylvia didn't try to run away, Jenny couldn't. It's just a lot. Especially if Jenny spent her entire life being protected by Sylvia. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, you know. Yeah. And so the next day, Gertrude goes to Sylvia and forces her to write a letter. You're going to start seeing the pieces come together because you're right at this point. There just is no way that they're going to get away with this. There's no way that her parents are going to come back the next time and see Sylvia and think she's perfectly fine. Like the damage was too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, before when they came, there were lots of cuts and bruising all over her, but Mm -hmm. it was covered with clothes. She was very malnourished, but it, it wasn't to the point where it was like, oh, my God, we need to take her to the hospital. Yeah. It's just like very, very thin and frail. Mm-hmm. But now, now it's not. Now everything is just mutilated. Her face was just, yeah, she just was had lacerations everywhere. And so Gertrude sits her down and forces her to write a letter. And mm-hmm. this was completely for the sole purpose of misleading her parents to believe that Sylvia ran away. So the letter essentially would sound something along the sorts of, listen, mom and dad, I'm so sorry that this had to happen, but I have to run away because some shit has happened to me. I decided to be a little hoe and, you know, do it with these neighborhood boys. And so we did it. And then afterwards, they branded me and then they beat me up. And now I'm just too ashamed and too grossed out and I never want to be here ever again. And so I must now go. Even in that letter, she wanted her to say these nasty things. Yeah. Yeah. And then she tells John Jr., her Mm -hmm. 12-year-old son, Mm -hmm. and she says, okay, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to ask Jenny and Sylvia to go to the nearby wooded area, and then you are going to just bring Jenny back. And obviously, you're much bigger than Jenny, and Jenny has a limp and stuff, and so you should be able to overpower her if she tries not to, and we're just going to leave Sylvia in the woods to die. So if they find her later, I'll be like, oh my gosh, yes, she did run away, and she left this letter. And then people will think that some random boys in the neighborhood did this horrific thing to this girl that's her plan just leaving her her in the woods to die yeah 
And so after she writes this letter, I don't know why Gertrude just decided to give her some crackers. So she's like, here you go. Eat these fucking crackers. And she is so dehydrated. She literally her saliva can't even coat the crackers like it won't go down. And Uh so she's like, I can't eat these crackers. I can't eat these crackers. And then John Jr. decides the best way to get her to eat these crackers is to force it down her throat and then repeatedly punch her in the stomach. I don't understand the logic. I don't understand how how evil and dumb you can be at the same 12 time 12 years old yeah oh just you wait t- just you wait and find out what his job was after all of this he became a minister what at a church which church <laughs> we need to know in indiana yeah at a church how does he still get a job oh, like that? Oh, just you wait. Other abusive kids in this family will become teachers and work with children. Do people not know what happened? They do. I don't understand. We'll get into that. And then October 25th comes around. And Sylvia hears Gertrude and John talk about this new plan. She overhears it. They didn't mean for her to, but she hears it. And so she attempts to escape. And she was so weak and so frail that she couldn't even make it out the front door. Like, that's how weak she was. And so Gertrude catches her. And she beats her with a curtain rod. And they said that the curtain rod was found bent into like a 90 degree shape and that was to her face by the way and then she tried to give her toast again very like dry items so i don't know if that's what they ate or if this was intentional but again it seems like everything they're doing is is intentional. intentional yeah and again sylvia's body rejected it due to her severe dehydration that she was and so then she was force fed this piece of toast and then koi Coy Hubbard, Stephanie's 15-year-old boyfriend, the one who was using her as judo practice, decided to just grab the curtain rod after she ate the toast and beat her one last time until she was unconscious. And so that night, she's tied up in the basement, and another neighbor hears screaming for help at around 2 in the morning. And then the screaming abruptly stops. So and they, they didn't, never they didn't call bring, the police. And they didn't bring her to the woods. No, they were going to the next day, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And the neighbor just didn't call the police, which is crazy because, I mean, I don't understand that. I feel like we have the opposite complaint. I feel like most people do. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So the next day, um, I think this was the day that they were planning to bring her or within that week or so, but it was October 26th and Sylvia wakes up and she just is unable to control her limbs and she's not speaking intelligently. Like she, you can tell she's just, gone Mm -hmm. now gertrude decides to feed her a donut and a glass of milk Mm -hmm. and she's propped up against a wall she can't even sit by herself she can't even stand by herself and she's trying to drink this water or this milk and she can't control her limbs so the milk kind of spills a little bit and gertrude decides in her frustrated state to just literally throw her across the room so sylvia gets thrown across the room where now she's laying there and she's mumbling and she's moaning and she starts becoming very delirious so paula asked her hey recite the alphabet Mm -hmm. and she's like 
uh, and she's just moaning more, right? Mm-hmm. And Paula's like, do it or I'm going to long jump you. And I had to Google what long jump is because who says that to another human being? But also, what's a long jump? And so I Google it mm-hmm. and a long jump is actually, I believe it's an Olympic sport, but it's a sport of some sort where you run as fast as you can and you jump horizontally like like you're it's just jump you're supposed to use force and power using the speed of running so like she's not even just saying like i'm gonna kick you like she's saying i'm gonna go across the field and like fucking run and then kick you with all of my force and momentum it's like what but she was only able to recite the first four letters of the alphabet so a b c d that's it and then she just couldn't think she defecated herself she pooped herself which again is just all of them gather in the basement and she's looking around and she's like you're ricky you're gertrude and so it seems like what sylvia is doing is she's trying to see if she's conscious right it's Mm -hmm. like something that you do when you don't really remember and you're like what's going on like i don't feel right right and she wasn't doing it in a way that was taunting or like you're ricky and you're gertrude like it was honestly she was delirious Mm -hmm. and gertrude's like shut the fuck up you know who we are and they give her a rotten pear to eat she eats it and she's like eating it and looking confused and her sister is like concerned because she never eats pears like that she usually only puts it on like the side of her mouth because like i said her front tooth is missing Mm. and so she's like huh and she's like i can't eat it i lost my front tooth i think and her sister's like you lost that when you were seven and so john is like well whatever she smells because she pooped herself and so he's like let me take her outside and wash her down and so he takes her to the backyard and just hoses her down with a garden hose and this time she's like okay so she tries to escape now gertrude sees this Uh throws her back into the basement and stomps on her head now stephanie decides to go downstairs into the basement Mm -hmm. fucking stephanie she's like okay I'm going to give you like a warm bath because the garden hose was super cold. So, I mean, it's kind of all over the place. If you look at most sources, it seems like Stephanie was evil, but not the most evil. And it seemed like she still had somewhat of a friendship with Sylvia. So it looked like she like Stephanie would have these bursts of like anger. Mm-hmm. But then relatively, she cared more than anybody else other than Jenny, I guess. Which, I mean, it's not saying a lot because we're comparing a Turk her to gertrude and stuff and so she's like okay it's okay i'm gonna give you a warm bath okay mm-hmm. and i'm gonna help you clean yourself up and so she's trying to get her upstairs but sylvia passed out before she could even leave the basement and so stephanie freaks out starts giving her cpr uh-huh. and she's like calling everyone like help help like we need to give her cpr like call the hospital right yeah. and gertrude's like no what do you mean call the hospital that little bitch is faking it and so she grabs some books, throws it at her and is like, faker, you little faker, wake up, you little faker, and continues to throw things at Sylvia. And so she just goes upstairs and she's like, whatever, she'll wake up when she's done faking it. And Gertrude and the rest of the kids go upstairs and Stephanie stays with her and I think gives her CPR. We just know that later, one of the neighborhood kids, Richard, goes over and he goes into the basement Uh and he just sees Stephanie cuddling Sylvia's body and crying. Sylvia's dead? And so Sylvia had passed. (sighs) 
Now, Gertrude starts to panic now. Now she starts to panic. <laughs> and he, she tells Richard to go call the police. Really? So he calls the police. I know. That's what I said. I said, really? She's going to confess to everything? Like, she's going to go to jail now? Like, she's going to finally do something right? Nope. So the police come. And by this point, they had moved Sylvia onto a mattress in one of the bedrooms. And the police are like, what the fuck happened? She looks beat up. Like, we've yeah. never seen someone look like this before. And we're talking about a 16-year-old. We're not talking about an adult. And so Gertrude is like, I know. So... I was so heartbroken when she walked into the house today, just topless with her boobs out. And she was holding this note. She was clutching this note. And she gave me the note. And I'm going to give you the note. And so she gives the police the note, the one that was meant for Sylvia's parents, the one that she forced Sylvia to write. And she goes, and I read the note. And I was so heartbroken. I was like, who, who could do this to my Sylvia? Who? And I tried for the past hour to just clean her wounds. I put, I tried to put rubbing alcohol and it didn't work. She put on a whole show? Yeah, I did CPR. CPR. I did, I did CPR. Nothing. Nothing. She's dead. And then Paula. Paula walks in, pregnant Paula, the abusive bitch Paula, and she's holding a Bible and she's telling everyone, it's okay, it's okay, don't cry. You're sad, I'm sad, but this was all meant to happen, you know, it was, it was all meant to happen. What the fuck? I'm sorry, I like really had to give it my most because that's how extra they were being. And they told Jenny to cooperate or you're going to be the next Sylvia. And we're going to treat you just like Sylvia. But if you do cooperate, we're going to keep you in this house. And we're actually going to treat you just like one of our own. And so Jenny tells the police everything that they wanted to hear. Which is, yeah, she came home topless and she had this note, blah, 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 right? And so Gertrude and everyone's looking at Jenny like, good girl, good girl, right? And right before one of the officers leaves, Jenny whispers to the officer and says, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything. And he says, what? And she says, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything. And so they get her the fuck out of there. Thank God. And she tells them everything. I mean, are those police stupid? They bought, they, they just bought into it? So... I heard they still do this now, which is crazy, but I heard especially back in the day, there wasn't a lot of protocol of separating children. So now if you don't do this, you get in trouble as a police officer because it's part of the protocol. If you're dealing with any suspicious stuff, you always separate the child to get them alone so that they feel comfortable enough to tell you actually what happened. But back in the day, it was just they would just question you in front of the parents. And of course, if your parents are the ones that are abusive, what are you going to do? And so they immediately arrest Gertrude and the three eldest children, which is paula stephanie and john jr now when i say eldest i'm talking 17 15 and 12 so they're not full-grown adults and then they arrest the same day coy hubbard stephanie's 15 year old boyfriend and richard hobbs the one that etched into her skin yes that finished that and then coy the one that used sylvia as judo practice and so all of them were held without bail pending trial now gertrude starts talking to the police and she is so disgusting like <laughs> 
we talk so much about parents like doing everything for their kids, risking their lives for their kids. Gertrude is like, let me tell you, officer, let me tell you. The kids are quite evil. The kids are wild, especially Paula and Coy. Paula, I mean, she did most of the emotional abuse. There was so much yelling. That girl's a little nasty. I don't know why. Maybe it's the pregnancy hormones. Anyways, Coy, he was the one that did most of the beating. That's a wild boy there. He will beat her and beat her and never stop for like hours on end. I don't know what's wrong with them. What a fucking piece of shit. And so they're like, you're saying you didn't know anything about this? And she's like, well, I mean, I will admit to one thing. I did make her sleep in the basement once in a while. I did do that. It was because she just was wetting the bed. I don't know why. And when the police told her straight up, usually in situations like this, children wet the bed because of mental stress and injury to kidneys. That's why. She just was like, anyways... And continued on with her little fake story. And then Paula, when she was questioned by the police, Paula had no remorse. She immediately signed a statement that admitted that she beat her with a belt. She broke her wrist because she got too into beating her. She punished her. She pushed her downstairs. She kicked her in the vaginal area. She gave her black eyes. I mean, she just admitted to everything. And then John Jr., this 12-year-old, is, I mean, allegedly a sociopath in my mind. My personal, non-professional, non-experienced, never met him in my life opinion is that he's a sociopath, is that he would say things like, I mean, they'd be like, did you spank her or something? Like, did you, you know, spank her with a paddle? And she was like, no, I never really spanked her. I would probably just like use my fist most of the time. And the then boy? Was, yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I did also burn her with like la- matches. Sometimes I use cigarettes, but I think my mom used cigarettes more than I did. I just kind of used matches all the time. So then that day, with all of these testimonies, they were actually able to arrest five more neighborhood kids. Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Anna Sisko. A bunch of kids. They're all kids. Mm-hmm. Oh and because God. they were all kids, they were all released. They just had their statement. So the police said, we're going to arrest you. Just kidding. You just have to promise to be a witness in the trial. And so the kids were like, so we don't get arrested. We just have to testify at trial. And they were like, yeah, go home. Disgusting. Now, the autopsy is going to make you more mad. She had, this is not even the full autopsy. This is just a brief overview. Sylvia, who was 16 at the time of her passing, she suffered more than 150 plus separate wounds across her entire body. She was super malnourished at the time of death. Her wounds were varied. They were just varied in location, in nature, in uh, severity, in the state of healing. So it was prolonged abuse. She had burns. She had severe bruising. She had extensive muscle and nerve damage. Her vaginal cavity was almost swollen shut because of how many times they kicked her. Her fingernails were broken backwards. There were layers of skin on her face, breast, neck, and right knee that were peeled and that were receding or were just burnt. Um, Her cause of death professionally they said um officially speaking i guess is that she had subdural hematoma and this is essentially what they call a brain bleed from trauma it's a severe blow to the head it's not like a you know a conspicuous like they drowned but some, did someone drown them you know it's like no she died from blunt force trauma and abuse officially speaking Now, what makes people really upset, and this was said in the trial, the medical examiner who examined her body went and was the first witness in the trial. 
And they said, this is the sad part, that during her death, she was in so much pain that she bit completely through her lips. And they said they had never seen someone who has had lips in shreds, like she had shredded all of her lips. They didn't look like lips. It just, yeah. And she was 16. And that's what he testified at trial. So she has a funeral with over 100 people, just community people, friends of the family in attendance. And it was, they put a coffin with just her picture in it because they wanted an open casket and they wanted her to be remembered. It was just so emotional. And so they were eventually able to indict for first-degree murder charges, right? So that just means they're going to trial against Gertrude, Paula, John Jr., Richard Hobbs, and Coy Hubbard. So they didn't have any evidence or enough evidence for Stephanie to be convicted. And so they decided to just let her go. And she waived her immunity, and she said that she'll testify against her family. So I guess she... 1% redeemed herself, but not a lot. They were all shown to be mentally competent to stand trial. Like, no doctor said that they were insane. So the testimony happens. Jenny comes. Jenny test or the trial happens. The medical examiner testifies. Jenny testifies. And Jenny literally, it was so crazy because people were trying to make it seem like she was fake crying on stand. But did you know when you have such dehydration, you can cry without tears? Your body won't let you produce tears. So it looks like you're fake crying. But your tears won't come out. You said Jenny was dehydrated? Yeah, she was also dehydrated. Even on trial, like she couldn't cry that well. Because, Mm. not like well, but you get it. Like her tears were coming out. The only time they saw just crazy amount of tears was also weirdly when she was talking about the last night or so when she was like, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die. And she was telling them what Sylvia had said to her. Mm. so then the neighborhood kids they testify and then gertrude testifies and gertrude now you guys know most of the time they don't testify unless it's a self-defense charge okay like nobody's trying to testify for first degree murder typically your attorney tells you not to because it's just not a good idea unless it's literally for self-defense but gertrude's like i'm gonna testify and so she goes up on the stand and she says guys jury hello people of indiana um it must have been the children duh like it must have been the children listen i have a bad health i have health issues um i just smoke non-stop and i'm really skinny i'm underweight i'm malnourished too and i'm depressed and so i mean i guess it's my fault that i as an adult didn't know that these kids were torturing sylvia but you know does she think everyone's just stupid or something i think so like people you think there's even one person believed her <laughs> no she, i laugh because of how stupid they are right and so then marie another um yeah no marie the other kid she testifies other school kids testify about how paula would brag about beating her mm-hmm. and the only time that they would help sylvia is by rubbing butter onto her scabs on her face and body i don't know they just kind of said it in a way that's like what do you mean like we weren't that evil we like rubbed her scabs with margarine which i'm like i don't even is that like an old day hack or something i don't know and so gertrude's defense is like this this is literally what gertrude's defense attorney said he said this is insane 
No one can do this unless they're insane. I mean, she has to be insane to do something like this because it's so insane. Therefore, Gertrude is not guilty by reason of insanity. Like there was no proof. There was no medical proof. Like all these psychologists, they testified that like she's mentally not insane. She's competent. She knows what she's doing. She is she's not insane. But they're like, but look at the crime. Would you say the crime is crazy? Yes or no? And did Gertrude commit the crime? Yes or no? So then she must be crazy. Like that was their defense. I'm so mind blown. And so all of them are trying to pass the fatal blow to one another, right? They're just trying to push it on off each other. Yes, I did burn her body with cigarettes, but I wasn't the person that hit her at this time because they think that's what killed her, right? And so the prosecution is just trying to argue like, listen, it doesn't matter because every single mark on her body contributes directly to her death Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and so finally after an eight-hour jury they convene they come back and they say gertrude is guilty of first degree murder paula is guilty of second degree murder the three underage boys richard coy and john are convicted of manslaughter So the judge sentences Gertrude and Paula to life in prison. And the three boys would get a sentence from between 2 to 21 years. Oh, hold on. I see your angry face. Hold on to your angry face. It's about to get bad. Now, there was a retrial. So the the reason that there was a retrial is because everyone was tried together. And that was done because in a situation like this, when a group of people torture someone, you you can't try everyone separately. Because then you don't get the full picture of the crime because any other evidence would be irrelevant to the case and the the judge wouldn't allow it and then the jury wouldn't really understand. So the jury would be like, this person died because this person burnt 50 cigarettes onto them. Like, I don't don't understand, right? Mm -hmm. And so it just wouldn't make sense. But they, the attorneys tried to use this and be like, well, they need to be tried separately. And so they were like, okay, fine. We're going to give you guys a retrial. And this was just Paula and Gertrude. And now Paula is like, a retrial? And her attorney tells her, listen, you shouldn't be so excited because you had second degree murder they might up it to first you know like you don't even you don't even know and so paula was like well how about i make a deal Mm -hmm. and i don't know why indiana let this happen but not the people of indiana but paula was given the chance to just plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter and so she got two to 21 years Wow. So she went from life in prison to two to 21 years. Now, Paula. OK, well, let's talk about Gertrude. Gertrude had a retrial. She got the same conviction, first degree murder and the same fucking sentence. So good riddance. Right now, Paula, she attempts to escape prison twice. She tries to run away from prison. By the way, she has a baby. Remember, she was pregnant. Right, exactly. She gives birth to a daughter that she names Gertrude and then puts Gertrude up for adoption. I don't she know. named it after. Gertrude. Yeah, her mom. Mm hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, you're going to get more mad. You're going to get more mad. Yeah, you're going to get more mad. Because Paula attempts to escape prison twice. But... How long did she get? Two years. She got two years? She served two years. Yep. 
Uh, she served two years. And she tried to escape during those two years? Yeah, but they were like, you know what? We're just going to let you out anyway. Yeah. And so Paula leaves. Now, this is my personal opinion. I love people being able to change their identity. But when you are that disgusting of a human, I feel like you should live with your crime. I feel like you should live every single day with that weighing over your shoulders. I don't think that you can change your identity. I don't think it's okay. So Paula, somehow, she changes her identity. She gets a new name. And she becomes, she moves to Iowa Mm -hmm. to be with her mom later. Just you wait, hold on. She moves to Iowa. And for 12 years or something like that, she was a school counselor in Iowa. What's her name? Paula Pace was her name. She's, she got fired. Yeah, she was fired in 2012. No fucking way. When they found out what she did. That's what I'm saying. Like, you should not. I mean, I don't even. She was a school counselor for. Students. I don't even know how they don't do background checks at this school in Iowa. She is still living in Iowa. She's married. She has two kids now. Now, Gertrude. Gertrude had given was given a life sentence. Remember, she got a retrial. She was convicted and sentenced the same sentence, a life sentence. Now, ironically, she goes to prison and people in prison love her. All the inmates love her. They call her the den mom. So the den mom is a person that is also an inmate. That's kind of like motherly towards newer or younger inmates, just kind of like telling them the ways of prison life. Right. And her nickname inside of prison, because everybody has a nickname. I watch Orange is the New Black. Okay, everybody has a nickname. And her nickname was Mom. I'm just so confused. This is like the least motherly human I've ever met on the face of this planet. Well, I've never met her, but you get it. But her nickname was Mom. And she was allegedly a model inmate. I don't like when they use that saying to like heavy duty criminals because no. And so she serves 20 years and it was time for her parole. Mm-hmm. She had the possibility of parole. And so Indiana, I mean, there was just, it was a shit show. There was about 50,000 signatures that were like, please don't let her out for parole. And yeah. this was in like 1985. So there was no internet like change.org. Yeah. So these signatures were like people just waiting That's outside crazy. of like 50, gas stations, 000? like people waiting outside of like grocery stores to sign this petition. Wow. Yeah. So it was a lot of people. But the judge was like, well, she's a model inmate, though. So they let her out. 20 years for the murder. 20 years served for first-degree murder of a 16-year-old girl. And she changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen. And she claims to be a devout fish f- Christian. Why did I say fisherman? <laughs> and she moves to Iowa. And people did not like that she moved to Iowa. They're like, why are you here? We don't like you. Yeah. And she would constantly blame the whole murder on the medication she used to treat her asthma. She was like, no, it's like my inhaler for asthma that made me like blank out and then just like murder her. And everyone's like, what? You make no sense. Anyways, within like a couple years of getting out, she died of lung cancer. So I hope it was a painful death because she gave Sylvia a very painful death. And now let's talk about Richard Coy and John Jr., the three boys who were convicted of manslaughter. Mm -hmm. Richard was the one who etched and branded her stomach and the S or the three. And Coy was the one that used her as judo practice. John Jr. is the son who's 12. They all served less than two years. Richard died four days later from lung cancer. What do you mean four days later? Or four years later. I'm so sorry. He was only like 20, 21 when he died. 
Wow. Yeah, from smoking. So he died really young of lung wow. cancer. Koi never changed his name. And uh-huh. it didn't seem like he was ashamed with what he did. So he kept going to prison. Ironically, a couple years later, he would be charged with a double homicide. But Holy later, shit. he was acquitted. Uh-huh. Weirdly. And then he died of a heart attack in his 40s or 50s. So he died young, too. And then John Jr., who is Gertrude's 12-year-old son, yeah. he was released from prison in less than two years and then became a minister. How did that happen? I don't know. And then he would often spend a lot of his time volunteering. Now, what type of volunteering did he do? He volunteered to help children with divorced parents. I don't understand. And then as a minister, he'd go around telling everyone, I deserved more time. Then go back to jail. Go serve more time. Get so out of here. So his whole thing is he's saying that he's changed. Yeah. So now he's devouring his life to... Devouring, devouting, devoting. Yeah. Devoting, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> devoting his life for this cause. Yeah. But he also ended up dying in like his 40s of diabetes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What do you say? This karma or, or or what? I don't know. See, I hate to say that because there's so many good people that die young and that die too soon. Yeah. But there is something really weird about all of them dying super early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's hmm. evil in your heart takes a toll over time. Yeah. That's what my mom used to say. Yeah, so maybe. Okay, my biggest question. What happened to the parents? They just were so heartbroken. Nothing really happened to them. That's it? Yeah, there's not much about it. Um, I, I mean, me personally, I've put a lot of blame on the parents. I mean, yeah, but we also say this from a position of never have been parents who are struggling. So, but my, it's, it's yeah. your responsibility. Yet There's no way you can. <laughs> this sounds bad. I wouldn't even leave my dogs with people that I had just met. Yeah. I'm just That's saying, I'm, saying. I'm, I'm like sure their life is rough and difficult to yeah. provide for these people, but still like. Your kids is your legal responsibility. I guess my thing is also what happened that Sylvia and Jenny felt like they couldn't tell their parents. Was it really just all the abuse? Right. Maybe their parents, maybe they weren't showing a lot of, yeah, you care. know, attention to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wow. the one thing I get from all these crimes against um, underage children is when I become a parent, I'm going to believe my kid. And then it's going to be the most annoying kid ever. Mom. But I'm going to believe my kid. I feel like that's the one thing I'm getting. Yeah. yeah. It's just to believe your kid. And I feel like times are changing too. Where it's Mm -hmm. more like that now. But even so, there's so many recent crimes. But anyways, in Indianapolis, this just kind of felt like a slap in the face. In Indianapolis, Indiana in 2001, Mm -hmm. they... Um, erected a six-foot-tall granite memorial dedicated to Sylvia. It's on Washington Street in Indianapolis. And it says, This memorial in loving memory of a young child who died a tragic death. As a, redu- as a result, laws changed and awareness increased. This is a commitment to our children that the Indianapolis Police Department is working to make this a safe city for our children. Meanwhile, all of them are just free in two years and like Gertrude got out in 20 years and Paula was like a school teacher. And I, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know, maybe laws have really changed for them there, but it's just kind of like a really like you think that you can just do all that and give us a fucking statue and be like, okay, anyways, let's move on. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. So let me know what you guys are thinking about this case. I know I got really angry in this one. I feel like 
either I was going to get angry here or I would have just cried the entire way through. So I just got angry. I'm sorry. Let me know what are your feelings on this one. And because a lot of people do compare it to the Junko case, like on Reddit, a lot of true crime people do. Do you think this is like the American Junko Ferrado case? Do you think this is similar in the way that the torture was done? Just so calculated and disgusting and just what? Let me know. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week and I will see you guys next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.